Hello. How good to see you. Wonderful to see Marcos baptised. And uh, Lord, we do pray your blessing on him and that the word would be rich in him. In Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to maybe explain some of uh, this. So grateful to Emily for making this garden paradise spring up. And uh, just a beautiful kind of display here. And it's there because we are going to be talking about gardens this morning. I don't know if you like gardening. Anyone like gardening? I sort of put my hands half up. I tried it and nothing grew. And it was very difficult to get enthusiastic about just digging soil. But uh, it's just a, yeah, gardening's great. Or maybe gardens. I mean, most of us, I think, would like gardens. Maybe you like gardening, maybe you don't. But who likes gardens? Kind of just getting out there in nature, a little kind of slice of nature at the back of your house, or maybe a kind of garden park. Gardens are great places. They're places, of course, where you can grow flowers like this. They're places where you can grow food. That's what I tried, and the mice got there first. The mice, uh, I don't know what they were eating, eating it, actually. Slugs or mice or uh, chickens. Something was uh, definitely eating my, my peas. You can sit in a garden and eat with friends. If your garden's big enough or if it's in a park, you can walk and talk just to enjoy time together in a garden. Gardens can be places of quiet tranquility or they can be filled with the buzz of social gatherings. They're good for our mental health. They're good for our physical health. And I'm told they're even good for the environment. Something to do with bees. I'm not quite sure what. But uh, I don't know, honey, who knows? But gardens are good in all sorts of ways. They're places of life and colour and beauty and provision and peace and community. That's what gardens are. That's what they speak of. That's what they are to us. And therefore, it shouldn't be surprising that gardens are figured very highly in the Bible, in God's story of who he is, his self-disclosure, his revelation of who he is and what he's doing in the world. Gardens are there right the way through God's word as we read through it. So we're going to look at different gardens this morning, and I'm going to need a little bit of help as we go through. I've made some props to help us kind of construct some of these gardens, and so I'll need some, uh, some helpers if, who don't mind. I think we're being streamed this morning, not kind of you know, massively publicly, but there's a few looking in. So if you don't mind, if you're not too camera shy, I'm going to need some helpers to come and help me construct these gardens so we can see them visually and get a sense of the continuity of what God is saying as we go from one garden to another through this morning. We're going to start with two gardens, then have a kind of a short time of worship, and then we'll tell you about the other two gardens. So it all starts in a garden. If we kind of turn to Genesis, right there, chapter, chapter 2, straight away we're in a garden. Genesis 2, 8 and 9 says this, And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made to spring up every tree that is pleasant to sight and good for food. There's just beauty and there's food. The tree of life was in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So immediately God God makes a garden. He takes man who he has made and he puts him in the garden to work it, to cultivate it, so that it would be continued to be a place of life and fruitfulness and it would be a place that expanded right across the whole world that God had created so that the whole world would be filled with the glory of God. As man walked with God, as he lived with God, this is the, the uh, men and women who he created were designed to live with God and to be 
with him and live for him as well in this kind of garden paradise. We're made, you and I, whether you know it or not. Maybe you've got hints because you like gardening or you don't like gardening or whatever, but we're made for a growing, glorious garden paradise in which we'd have fellowship with God and walk with him and do our whole lives in the context of relationship with him. In the Bible, gardens are kind of seen as temples, or in fact, temples are almost gardens because they're filled with this garden imagery of trees and pomegranates pointing back to this time where when man walked with God, there was this intimate relationship between man and God. And so temples, places where we, we, we meet with God or God provided these places where you can come and draw close to me. And they had this garden imagery all over them. Gardens are places of community between one another and between us and God. That's what they were always intended to be. But I wanted to kind of visualize this first garden so we can see what it's like. So um, I'll, I'll get, yeah, let's get some of these props together. Well done for staying away from it during the Easter egg hunt. I'm going to need three, let's see, probably about three helpers in just a moment because I've got two trees and a river. Is anyone, can anyone help me? I didn't have time to make the, uh, yeah, you guys, do you, want to, do you want to come up? You can have a, a tree each. I didn't have time to, uh, yeah, do you want to be the river? Fantastic. Now there's your, got to get these the right way around. There's your tree and there's your tree. So if you want to, are you okay to climb up there? Do you want to get right up here? Let's have one tree there. Yeah, that's, that's it. Fantastic. You've got this amazing river because there was this river in this first garden. Do you want to grab hold of that? If you want, you, you, can, you could do some of that as well if you, if you like. Look at that. Let's turn this one around. Now, there were, these, there were lots of trees in this, in this garden and there's this wonderful river that's flowing through it, bringing life and, in fact, it kind of split into four, I think, and kind of goes all, goes all over the place. But here are these two trees. Now, you might have heard in that little first passage we read, one of these is the tree of life. One of them is the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And God said to the people he put in the garden, he said to the man, you can eat of any tree, just not one. Now, which do you think is the, uh, the, the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil? Yeah, you've got it right. You've got it. Look, actually, I didn't really think that through thinking about it. Because we think apple. I don't know whether it was an apple, but I've made it a little bit obvious. I was hoping you'd kind of say, oh, we don't know, we don't know. <laughs> but you, you don't know, you see. You can't tell. Because they both look nice, don't they? They both look good to eat. How, how could you tell that eating from this tree would actually separate you from God, would actually, would actually be a means of you losing life? It looks like you eat from this tree. If you like, if you like apples, they've got a bad name now. But if you like apples rather than oranges. These are tasty. I've had enough oranges. I want some apples now. The only way you can know is because God said, don't eat from that tree because you're not God. You don't know everything. But I'm telling you, don't eat from that tree. Eat from that tree. But what did they do? What did did Adam and Eve do? They ate from that tree. Because there was, a, there was a, a kind of a serpent involved, wasn't there? And this kind of serpent was very persuasive. And Eve looked at the two trees and says, I like oranges, but, you know, they look really nice as well. They do me good. I'm sure they look even better, in fact. And the snake was persuasive. Come on, you don't... God, yeah, he, he might, he's holding out on you. You can't believe everything God says. And so they ate from that tree. And what happened when they ate from that tree? You are doing a brilliant job with that. Thank you so much. This is the, 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 the life that's flowing through this garden. They ate from that tree, and they said, what happens? 
Yes, I wasn't going to talk about that, but that, but that is true. They, they realized there was shame came into the world. They, they, they didn't die immediately physically, but they were cut off from God's presence. They were cut off from this tree. Do you remember what happened? There were a couple of angelic beings that stood in front of this tree and said, you are no longer able to, to eat from this tree. And they were shut out from the garden. I think we need to give these guys a round of applause because they've done superbly well. Oh, and more, more than a round of applause. Not that you want anything else, but if you, if you want to help yourself to a small prize uh, from here, you'll be most welcome. I'm so grateful for your help. What do you fancy? Good choice. Good choice. Thank you, guys. Thank you ever so much. What shall I do with these? Uh, yeah, let's put that there for now. Actually, we don't want to see that one, do we? Let's, uh, let's go for that. They ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They put themselves in the place of God. God said, don't eat from, you can eat from all of them, any of them, just not that one. But for some reason, they did it. It seems like a silly decision to us. It seems like obvious, almost a pantomime thing. No, don't eat from that one, eat from that one. But we've all done it. We've all said, you know what, I know God says that, but I just think, I think I'll do that instead. We've, we've repeated this same sin, this same error, this same error of judgment that Adam and Eve uh, partook in. We've all done it in different ways. The snakes seem very persuasive to them. All sorts of things seem very persuasive to us. Did God really say, did that surely he did? And it kind of sort of says here, but I'm sure it's not quite like that. I think I'm going to trust my own judgment rather than God's judgment. Or do you know what? Maybe this is all made up. Maybe there isn't a God. I'm just going to go my own way and make my own decisions and decide what is right and what is wrong. And that way lies death and that way lies separation from God. This is all that happened in this first garden. But that's wonderfully, there's a hint here that the seed of the woman, the descendant of the woman, would somehow overcome the serpent's evil work in bringing death into the world and tricking uh, men and women. And so there's this wonderful pointer of hope that comes, even in this first garden. And so we scroll forward to the next garden, many, many generations later, when that offspring, that man called Jesus, had just finished eating the Passover meal with his disciples. And one of them, John, recalls, he says, Jesus went out with his disciples across the brook Kidron, where there was a garden, which he and his disciples entered. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. And Matthew tells us that this garden is called Gethsemane, and it was at the foot of the Mount of Olives. And Jesus walked and talked with his disciples there, kind of echoing back to that first garden, you might remember, as, as man walked with God. And here Jesus walked and he talked with his disciples, his friends, but he was there to make a choice, just as Adam had a choice to make in the first garden. So Jesus had a choice to make in this garden. And so here we come to uh, where I need some more helpers. Let me try and, what do we, what do we need for this one? Uh, I might just, how many, let's have maybe three helpers. I need, we'll have two trees again. So I need a couple of people to be trees. Now these are just, I guess these are, well these could be bushes if you like. Do you, yeah, you guys, do you want to have that? And you can have that. If you want to come up on here. I don't think there, there might have been a river, but I'm not sure. So if you pop up on there, that's lovely. There'll be plenty more helpers needed, so don't worry if you're not able to be part of this one. And uh, 
these, these are just normal trees now, so, or could be bushes. If you hold them quite low, they could be little bushes, couldn't they? Shall we turn that round? There we go, lovely, perfect. And now, I need, actually need to get, might need a few for this. You all want to have, hold this one, because it might need several of you. Do you want to jump up here? Let's, if you hop up on there, let's see if we can find a way where you can hold this. Do you want to kind of hold that? There, maybe. Yeah, that's perfect. Oh, thank you so much. Now, Jesus had a choice to make. Adam needed to obey God, and if he trusted God, he would have lived. He would have known life. Jesus had a harder choice to make. Jesus had to trust God, knowing that he would die because of it. That's harder, isn't it? He had the choice whether to choose the cross, whether to die in our place for the things that we have done wrong, the wrong decisions that we've made, the sin that we've done, repeating Adam's sin over and over again in our life. He died for the sin of the world, the Bible says. And this was a choice that was before Jesus, to die on the cross or just to, I don't know, to go back to be with his father in the glory that he had with him in that paradise with his father's presence. In fact, he could choose paradise in a sense, or he could choose death, life or death. This was the choice that Jesus faced in that garden. And we read as we go on that uh, he went a little further in this garden, and he said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. The Bible says that sweat was pouring from him. It was almost it was like blood. In fact, he was sweating blood. So traumatic was this decision that he had to make. Should he choose death and life for all of us, or should he choose just life for himself in the short term? And he it was, it was in, in agony in this choice. But then these wonderful words, I'm reading from Matthew 26, 39. Let this cup pass from me, he says. Then he says, nevertheless, nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. What a glorious decision was made in that garden. As you will. He chose to obey his father. He chose death for himself and life for us. He chose to walk away from an easy life, from all the comfort that would have been there for him. Wonderful choice that led to our life, as we shall see in a few moments as we look at another garden. Thank you, guys. You've done amazingly. Um, where, where, where are my prizes? Yeah, give them a... Thank you, thank you, thank you. You've been great. What'd you fancy? Yeah. Superb, superb. Thank you. Yeah, have a route around, that's fine. Yep, there we go. I'll grab this, and if you want to just help yourself. I couldn't have done it without you. I'm very grateful. Thank you, thank you. And thank you, sir. Amazing help. I don't, this is probably not going to stand up on its own. Oh, wow, wow. I'll move it in a minute because it will probably slowly fade. There we go. So I hope you got the sense in the first garden, in the Garden of Eden, we made the wrong choice. Adam made the wrong choice. We subsequently have made the wrong choice. But Jesus came, the Son of God, came as a man to make the right choice in our place, to die the death that we deserve, to live the life that we should have lived, so that through faith in him, we're united with him. And his choice, his righteous living, his, his, the, the right way that he lived is counted to us. And the death that he died, innocent though he was, 
accounts for our sin. This is wonderful news to us. This is not the end of the story, though. It's it's Easter, so I know that you know where we're going, many of you. But uh, right now, if the band would like to to come back, we'll just uh, have another song together, another opportunity to to declare this wonderful resurrection. And and then we'll we'll talk about this third garden (laughs) in just a moment. So you want to stand with me? Oh, you're there. How, How did that happen? Father, we do thank you for your desire that we would walk with you, that we would know you, that we would come back into fellowship with you, that though we were excluded from your presence, you found a way to bring us back. We thank you for the Lord Jesus and his obedience in our place, that he chose the cross for us and that we're here, many of us, as beneficiaries of it. Thank you for this wonderful picture of baptism where we're united with you, united in your death. And I pray, Lord, would you wonderfully help us understand the significance of this in a few moments when we come to look at how we're united with you in your resurrection to eternal life. In Jesus' name, let's continue to worship together. Wonderful. What a wonderful song, wonderful truth. Of course, you can't talk about the crucifixion without the resurrection. And so we're going to move now to our third garden. It all started in a garden paradise where Adam made the wrong choice. We then moved to the garden uh, where Jesus made the right choice for us. He chose death for himself and life for us. And now we're going to go to the next garden. That's, uh, in fact, very nearby where Jesus was crucified. Let's read in John chapter 19, 40 to 42. Now in the place where Jesus was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. So because of the Jewish day of preparation, since the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus there. Do you notice those wonderful words again? There was a garden, garden number three. And so I thought we would create this garden. This might need quite a a few. This is my biggest prop yet. We'll have some bushes, of course. All gardens have uh, those. Uh, Now... Did I hear a wow? Oh, please let me have heard a wow. (laughs) This took a long time. (laughs) It's only two-dimensional. I apologise for that. But um, nevertheless, okay, yeah, yes, yeah, you haven't, yeah, anyone who hasn't had a go before and helped me out, that's great. If you jump, let's just go up on this thing here, shall we? We jump up there so everyone can see. So, yeah, yeah, brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. It's might a few of you. Yeah, you might need just to kind of secure that for for the moment and just to... Just a bit, that's great, thank you so much. Early on that morning, Jesus' disciples came to the tomb, perhaps thinking to, to, uh, to look after, prepare the body, to embalm the body, whatever it was. But they found something extraordinary, didn't they? They didn't find this tomb kind of sealed up with this huge stone that was put there, and it was guarded. There was literally no way that anyone was going to open up that tomb. And yet they found that this stone was rolled away. We'll put that there. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, no, that's fine. No, that's fine. And the tomb, glory of glories, wonder, was empty. The tomb was empty. They looked in there. There's nothing there. Jesus' body was gone. It wasn't that his body was still there, but he'd risen spiritually. He'd risen physically. His actual body had gone through some kind of amazing transformation, glorious transformation. He's no longer there. He was... 
Actually, I've given it away a little bit. He, he wasn't there, but they didn't know at this stage. They didn't know where he was. And there were two angels, weren't there, kind of declaring, he has risen. He's not here. So thank you. Oh, we didn't have the bushes. We didn't have the bushes. You can, you can hold that. There we go. We'll, have, we'll go this way around. There we go. That's, that's, we're going to save that for later. That's perfect, perfect. So in this garden, something extraordinary has happened, but the disciples don't know at this, at this point exactly what it is. So thank you very much. Thank you for uh, helping us illustrate that garden. I don't know. The, do you want to... Would you like to pass those round to, to the helpers? Thank you so much. See if this will balance here with the help of a few bushes. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. What do you reckon? Perfect. Lovely. Thank you so much. Thank you for your help. So at this point, the disciples, they don't really know what's happened. The tomb is empty. Let's read a little bit further on. Because Peter and John, a couple of disciples, they leave, but Mary stays. And she stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting there where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at his feet. And they said to her, women, why are you weeping? And she said to them, they have taken away the Lord, and I don't know where they've laid his body. The, the best thing their minds could conceive at that point was that someone had stolen the body for some reason and taken him away. But then she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she still didn't know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Suddenly she recognized him. It's this extraordinary spine-tingling moment in this third garden. And let's contrast it with the first garden, two gardens, Garden of Eden. And now here we are in the Garden of, uh, of Golgotha, I think it was. Yes, the place of the, of the skull. Two pairs of angels. One pair, we remember, were blocking access to the tree of life. You can't go there. Here we have a couple of angels that are sitting there at the very doorway exit out of death itself, heralding the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. We have two gardeners. One, you remember, in Adam, who disobeyed God. And now here we have this other gardener, or appearing as a gardener, Jesus, who had obeyed his Father and given us abundant life. One gardener in Adam gave us death. This gardener in Jesus gives us abundant life. We have two women, which is interesting as well. One carelessly converses with Satan, and the other freed from demonic possession and deceit. First weeps at the realization of the loss of even the dead body of Jesus, but then it had this wonderful expression of joy, teacher, as she recognizes Jesus as her true teacher, God himself who's come to, he has the truth. You remember in the first garden, he can't believe God, he just, you know, whatever he says, we need to judge for ourselves. And now this woman here, freed from demonic 
position and influence, recognizing Jesus. You are the teacher. What you say goes. I'm going to follow you and trust you. It's extraordinary contrast between these two gardens. G.K. Chesterton wrote of this monumental moment. On the third day, the friends of Christ, coming at daybreak to the place, found the grave empty and the stone rolled away. In various ways, they realized the new wonder. The world had died in the night. What they were looking at was the first day of a new creation, with a new heaven and a new earth. And in the semblance of a gardener, God walked again in the gardener, not in the cool of the evening, but in the dawn. You see, it's a glorious Easter garden that we're celebrating this morning. Jesus' resurrection was the first fruits, the first shoots of a new creation coming through. Him physically and spiritually in a sense, but for us right now, it's in our hearts as we recognize Jesus as Lord. And we, go, do we, we say to Jesus, teacher, you're my Lord and my Savior. I'm going to follow you. I recognize in you what Adam and Eve did not recognize. I recognize that you are God. I'm going to follow you, just as we've heard from Marcos this morning. I'm going to follow you for the rest of my life. You're my Lord. You're my teacher. We turn from sin. We turn from making the wrong choices. We turn from deciding ourselves what is right and wrong and just making up meaning and purpose. And we turn to Jesus and we say, it's all in you. I'm going to follow you for the rest of my life. And wonderfully, that is not just this physical life that we have right now until each one of us, our time will be gone at this side of eternity. But Jesus is coming back again. And this takes us to our fourth and final garden, because this is not it, what we see around us right now, even with this new life that is bursting forth in many of us right now, as we trust in the Lord Jesus. There's something, there's a new creation that has come into being in us. A heart of, of stone has been replaced for a heart of flesh that beats with love for the Lord Jesus and for God once again. And we have, in a sense, a foretaste of the garden and a foretaste, even in the spirit of this, this river that flows uh, that flowed in the first garden. By the Spirit, this river kind of flows in us now. Now, I want to construct the final garden. So, let me see. Let me move this over here. Actually, I'm going to need, actually, quite a few volunteers for this final garden. Just, let me just read you the passage first. Though. Revelation 22. This is John, one of Jesus' disciples. He's, he's seeing in the Spirit something of this future garden, how, how everything ends. He's seeing into eternity. He says, The angel showed me the river of the water of life. I'm going to need someone in a minute for the river of the water of life. Bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the street of the city. Also on either side of the river, the tree of life. Whoa, there it is again, with its 12 kinds of fruit, yielding its fruit each month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nation. We've got ourselves here a city garden that he is seeing. He's seeing this is a city, but yet it's full of, of these trees and life, abundant life. So why don't we have a go at this final garden? So who hasn't, let's make sure, who hasn't had a go yet? Do you want to grab this tree here? And actually, yes, we will have it this way around. And uh, there are other trees there as well. You want to, you want to hold this tree up here? that way round. We'll get rid of the stone. And uh, what we need next. Oh, who wants to be the river? There are a number of you. Do a couple of you want to be the river? Because it's quite a big river. Let's have, uh, why don't we have the river going down here? You want to, yeah, if you give us some space over here, lovely. Do you want to jump up there and hold the river? 
And you can uh, give it some splash if you want. Uh, there we go. You can, others can grab, can grab different parts of that, but I'm going to need one, two, three, at least three more because this is a city. And city speaks of people. It speaks of multitudes. And uh, so who, yeah, do you want to, maybe a couple of you can grab that because that's a large house there. We want some more. Yeah, there we go. And you can have, well, up, if you try and grab, go up on the, on the stage. And any others kind of come up? Do you want to kind of go on the back? You might need several of you holding some of these things. Oh, you're doing a superb job. Fantastic. That is what it, that, that is great. Who's, who's, hasn't had a go yet? Do you want to, yes, do you want to come up and grab this as well? Yeah, if you like. Might need several of you. That'd be lovely. And then let's make a little bit more space. Do you want to come over here? We could, we could do with the house over here, actually. Are you able to kind of bring it over here? How are you going to get across the river? Oh, that's a problem. Oh, sorry, big pun. I'm going to just part this river. There we go. <laughs> you want to come through? I know, right? <laughs> you want to come over here? Um, this with the house. The house comes over here, and then... You're doing such a great job with that. Anyone else want to grab the river and give it, give it some? You're more than welcome. And let me, while you're doing that, notice there's no temple. The Bible says no temple here. Because God is dwelling face to face with his people. There's no interface needed. There's no special place. It's everywhere. God is here right in the midst of his people. This is in the first garden. There was just a couple of them. In this garden, it's just like multitudes of people. The city speaks of just like loads and loads and loads of people. Jesus' death and resurrection wasn't just for Adam and Eve. It was for you and it was for me that we would be here in this garden. When Jesus comes again, everything transformed. This river flowing once again. This glorious garden. Just that's, that's you have to use some imagination, but hopefully that seeds it. That is something of our future, of your future. If you trust in the Lord Jesus, he's coming again. Everything will be renewed. We'll have access to the tree of life once again. Live forever and ever and ever. And the way that that is wonderful is because you're in God's presence in this beautiful garden. No more death or sickness or pain. As you're, if you're able to kind of hold that, just one more moment, I'll read this uh, Revelation 21. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man, and he will dwell with them. And they will be his people, and God himself will be them, we with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning or crying or pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Here's our kind of fourth and final garden. Thank you, guys. Can I have a, do you want to, would you, would you pass these round for me, please? You'd grab them, pass them round. You've been superb, more than I could possibly imagine. Thank you so much. You've got it just right. But you could do that. I'm sure that would be possible in this uh, new garden. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I, wonder, I don't know if these could probably vaguely stand up. Do you think that would work? Oh, that sort of works. Lovely, thank you. Thank you so much. If anyone didn't actually get a press in and, and uh, have a prize, you're, you're welcome to get one because there are loads and loads of people in this uh, final garden, so you're all welcome to... 
Don't, I'm not a builder. Don't get me to build your house. <laughs> It would be much better than that. Thank you so much. The Bible starts and ends with a garden. The one at the beginning, two people. The one at the end, countless multitudes. I wonder if you'll all be there. I wonder if you'll be there. I wonder if you realized in your heart of hearts that going your own way is not the way to go. I wonder if you, if you know, if there's eternity in your heart, is there a longing in you for a paradise, for a paradise that maybe you don't even know that actually is to do with God. You could have all the physical things and everything can be just right, but we're made for a relationship with God and the creation is just the context for that relationship. I wonder if your heart even now kind of longs for that garden paradise once again that we're blocked from. We physically die. It's an indication that something has gone wrong in the world. But Jesus came to make the right choice for us, to die in our place, to take the sin of the world on himself and to rise again so that through faith in him we might be united with him, not just in his death but in his resurrection. And a resurrection now, that's a spiritual internal resurrection. But one day he'll come back again and there'll be a physical resurrection of the dead and we'll be raised with him and everything will be changed and this uh, whole earth, which is broken, glorious in some ways, but broken in so many other ways, with crying and sickness and pain, will be totally restored. As we kind of know in our heart of hearts it should be, this is not the way it's supposed to be. I wonder if you've trusted in the Lord Jesus right now. Like Mary, you've had that moment. Teacher, Jesus, my Lord and my Saviour, to turn from doing things our way, to turn to faith in Jesus. I want to commend Jesus to you as God himself in the flesh, come to bear our sin upon himself and to rise to new life, to open this exit from the grave that we could come into relationship with God and enjoy him forever. What if the band would like to come back? <laughs> How did you do that? <laughs> oh, I've got to get better at this. Father, we thank you the way back to you has been opened by Jesus, back into a place of life and colour and beauty and provision and peace and community, community between one another, community between the nations. This new garden is a place where nations rejoice and live together in glorious harmony. Lord, I thank you for, for saving us, each one in, in, in the world, differences that we have, but uniting us in you. We thank you for the riches of the nation that will be there in that final city garden. Father, you might want to, why don't you stand with me? You might want to pray this with me. Maybe this is just kind of to be fresh in your minds and your hearts. Maybe you're going to pray this for the first time. Maybe even on this Easter kind of celebration, you've realized something of the reality of the world and what has gone on. Maybe you've had a kind of an epiphany. The penny's dropped for you. Father, Lord, we want to say that we are sorry for the wrong choices that we have made, for the mistakes, for the, the sin, the choice to choose our own way rather than your way, the choice not to believe you, but to trust in ourselves about what is right and wrong and live it out to destruction, for pain for ourselves and pain for other people and separation from you. We want to say, Lord, from our heart of hearts, we're sorry, and we ask for your forgiveness where we've messed up in that way, where we'd followed Adam. Would you forgive us? I thank you that you can forgive us. I thank you you always planned to do that. And you made provision for that in the person of your son who came 
to live in our place and die in our place. We thank you for that choice that was made in that second garden, the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus chose to die for us. He chose to obey you. He chose to trust you. And though it led for death for him, it was life for us. And our forgiveness is full because our sin was paid fully on the cross. We want to turn to you in faith right now. Perhaps fresh faith for some of us, faith for today. Perhaps faith for the first time for others and say, Lord, we trust you. Lord Jesus, we trust you. We thank you that you rose again to new life. We thank you that we too rise again to new life, a new life that has started in us right now, but will go on through eternity as you restore not just us spiritually, but physically at your return, Lord Jesus. And we look forward to that time. And until that time, Lord, we pray that your spirit would be in us and in fact flow from us, that we would be in a sense a garden in this world where we go, Lord, that your presence would go with us. We thank you for the gospel, this good news, that as we speak it out, it's like seed, it brings life. Maybe God is bringing life to you right now as you've heard this gospel, the death and resurrection of Jesus for you, and faith has risen in your heart. Lord, we pray, fill us full of your spirit to speak and declare this good news, that this earth, even now, will be filled with your glory as men and women and children, young and old, bow their knee to you and say, Rabbi, teacher, Lord, Saviour, I'm going to follow you for the rest of my life. Father, we thank you for this glorious gospel that has come to us. We thank you for the resurrection. We celebrate that now. We declare that now together in Jesus' name and for your glory. Let's worship together.